So we've been doing a series called I Will. And we're talking about I will go in the strength of the Lord. And one of the first things we discovered that we must admit that we need strength. We must admit we're in a situation where it's, a bond, uh, where it's beyond our natural ability to produce the kind of results that we desire or that we need. The Apostle Paul did exactly that. And then secondly, if we're going to go in the strength of the Lord, we need fresh manna every day. Because the word of the Lord is able to build you up, to strengthen you, and to give you an inheritance. And then last week we talked about if we're going to participate in God's strength in 2023, we must always be waiting on the Lord. For they that wait upon the Lord, those that are intertwined with Him, those that are braided with Him, shall renew their strength. They'll become an exchange in our lives, our strength for His strength. And then what do we do? We mount up. We mount up with wings as eagles. And so today I want to talk to you about the final step in taking hold of God's strength is choosing to have joy and to rejoice. The subtitle of this morning's message could be, I will rejoice. So let's look over at James chapter 1 and notice with me a few verses here. James the first chapter. And we notice in verse 2, it says, My brethren and sistren too, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, tests, or trials. Notice that phrase, count it all joy. Now, some people think that's got to be a misprint. (laughs) It should rather say count it all sorrow when you fall into different temptations. Or how about it? It counted unfair when you fall into different temptations. No, it says count it all. You read it right. He said count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Now notice with me in verse 3. It says in verse 3, it says knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it worketh patience. Now I want to back up. And I want to ask this question. Why is it or how is it that you and I can count it all joy when seemingly all hell breaks loose in our life? Number one, because of who we know. We've been singing about Jehovah Jireh. We sing about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. You know, Paul, writing to young Timothy, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy, and he said this in 2 Timothy 2.12, and I'll just quote it. He says, I know in whom I have believed. The Apostle Paul is the same one who said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It was extremely important for the Apostle Paul to know him. And he said, I know in whom I have believed. It's good to know what you believe, but it's even better to know in whom you believe. I know in whom I have believed. And as a result of knowing that, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that to that which I have committed to him against that day. In other words, Paul knew him so well that he became fully persuaded that whatever he faced, he knew that the Lord was on his side and that they were, he was going to be all right. 
Why can we count it all joy? Number one, because we know Him. Number two, because of whose we are. Whose we are. That has to deal with who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, and where we are in Christ. Number three, we can count it all joy because of what we know. Notice with me in verse 3 again, he said here, Count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this. Everyone say, knowing this. Knowing what? Well, number one, knowing that the Word of God is true. Knowing that Jesus is our Redeemer. Knowing that He is the one who has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Knowing that His Word says that He supplies half of our need. Wow, you guys are quick. No, He doesn't supply half our need. He supplies all of our need. How does He do it? According to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So even though a lot of things may be swirling around in your life, we can always lift up our hands and by faith begin to rejoice. Now we're not thanking God for the tests and the trials. Not at all. Why? Because He didn't send them. See, every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. These tests, these trials that we face and we go through are not designed to build you up. They are designed to tear you down and to bring devastation into your life so that you will quit holding fast to the Word of God and keep your eyes on the symptoms, keep your eyes on the lack. But God says you can count it all joy because you know something. And one thing we know for sure is there's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But our God is faithful, who will not test us above our ability. And he will always provide a safe landing place for us to land. Amen. So we're thanking him because we have the answer. Now notice with me in verse 4. And let's read that verse together. He says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire lacking or wanting nothing now i want to read it from the amplified version it says but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do what kind of a work do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking nothing. Glory to God. Let patience have its perfect work. In other words, put patience to work in your life. I listened to Creflo Dollar a few years back, and he said, we need to employ patience. In other words, we need to allow perseverance and steadfast and constancy and consistency hold us together along with our faith and joy so that we can be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Let it do a thorough work in your life. You know, you probably all heard the phrase, well, brother, well, sister, just be patient. 
You know, being patient doesn't mean just sitting tight. Being patient means to persevere. It means to stay after it. To steadfastly hold fast to the truths that you have been made aware of. Say with me, faith and joy and patience, they go together. So then, patience is not a passive waiting to see how it will turn out. But rather, when we are operating and functioning in faith and joy and patience, it brings into our life a cheerful endurance. It brings into our life a cheerful expectation. A cheerful enduring when the passage of time is taking place. A cheerful endurance when the circumstances don't seem to be changing overnight. A cheerful endurance when the lies are saying and telling us that it's not working. Now understand this. You do not, I do not, we don't have any more faith than we do joy and patience. Folks, it's not enough just to believe God. How many of you know that time will try your trust? It's not enough just to believe God. We need to believe God until. And have you noticed that murmuring and whining and bellyaching and complaining doesn't get us anywhere? But here's what rejoicing does. Rejoicing and endurance and operating in faith. It brings God on the scene. He comes right down in the midst of your situation with his presence, with his power, with his almightiness to change things and turn things around. Amen. We can learn a great lesson from Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 3, I want you to look over there. We're going to look at it in the Amplified Version. Say it with me, I'm counting it all joy. When I fall into different tests, because I know Him. I know whose I am. And I know what the Word of God says. Now notice with me in verse 17, in Habakkuk chapter 3, he says, Though the fig tree does not blossom... And there is no fruit on the vines, though the product of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food. And though the flock is cut off from the fold, and the cattle are not in the stalls. Now let's just stop just a moment. Let's think about this. This is an agricultural society there. These people depended on their olive oil. They depended on the cattle producing. They depended on the vegetables in the field and whatever else they needed for their livelihood. All of their sustenance. I mean, everything they depended on to meet their needs, to feed their families, it's all gone. It almost sounds like the pandemic. When you go to buy eggs... And you found that eggs are three times more expensive than they were. If there's any eggs in the stall. Why? Because there'd been a bird flu. And don't you go looking for baby formula. It was a bad situation that they were in. 
It was a bad situation that all of us have been through the last three years, but I see that you're still breathing. I see that you're still alive. And though you may not have been eating a whole lot of eggs, you've been eating something. I said you've been eating something. Somehow, somewhere, there's been food on the table because we serve Jehovah Jireh who prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I see you made it to church in spite of gas prices. I said in spite of gas prices. So they're in an agriculture society. It's not a good day when you don't have olive oil. I take a tablespoon of olive oil every morning. I mean straight up. I don't get the, the, the weird kind. I get the smooth kind. But how many of you know we need some oil? We need some vegetables. Come on, we need an in and out burger every now and then. We went to one place to get a couple of burgers the other day and it was 41 bucks. Wow. I'm glad that I serve El Shaddai, the God who is more than more than more than enough. If they want more, he's got more. Whoa, glory to God. I tell you right now, if they want more, he's got more. He's more than enough. He's the God of mucho, mucho más. So don't be depressed and don't get bummed out and don't start talking lack. Talk abundance. I mean at destruction and at famine thou shalt moan and groan. No, at destruction and at famine thou shalt rejoice. Thou shalt laugh. So I want you to get the picture. They were facing... A very devastating time. There's emptiness in their homes. But notice with me now, in the 18th verse, what Habakkuk did, and what Habakkuk was encouraging the people to do. Yet! Everyone say, yet! In spite of it all, yet! Yet what? Yet, here it is, I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the victorious God of my salvation, the God of my deliverance, the God of my healing, the God of my wholeness, the God of my sustaining, the God who is more than enough. Oh, praise God. Lift your hands. Let's give him praise right now. Ha, ha, ha. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. The Hebrew word there for joy is G-I-L. I don't know how to pronounce it. It means to joy, rejoice, be glad, and be joyful. The Spirit-filled Bible that Jack Hayford put together many, many years ago. Jack Hayford, what a wonderful man of God, went on to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. I learned so much from him. What a, whoo, what, think about the rewards that he's participating. Oh, in glory. Beautiful, wonderful man of God. 
But in the Spirit-filled Bible, the reading is this. Joy contains the suggestion of dancing for joy or leaping for joy. Since the verb originally, it's a verb, rejoice is a verb. It's an action word. It's something you've got a will to do. It's something you need to employ, something you need to implement in your life. Amen. Not just in church. Since the verb originally meant to spin around with intense motion. If you're in the spirit, you won't get vertigo. This lays to rest the notion that the biblical concept of joy is only a quiet inner sense of well-being. Although everything is wrong in Habakkuk's external world, he is leaping for joy over his fellowship with Yahweh. Isn't that good? Remember that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so what are we learning this morning? The scripture instructs us to rejoice in the midst of the worst circumstances. You and I, we can rejoice. We choose to rejoice because joy is not dependent on our circumstances. In other words, we can have joy regardless of what's going on. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. And His joy comes into your life at the time of the new birth when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior. But we can have joy and not display it. We can have love and not show it. We can be having peace, but not participating in it. I want to encourage you to cultivate this wonderful gift of joy that's on the inside of you. One way you can do that is simply stir yourself up. Now, not everyone expresses joy the same way. We've seen some unusual demonstrations of joy in this church over the years. Don't be moved by something you don't see or understand or get. You just function, you just operate in the joy that God has given you. Sometimes you'll get so full of joy just by reading the Word. Just by sitting at your desk or sitting in your quiet place and letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's like Jeremiah said, his words were found, I ate them, and it was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. That's one way that we can experience the joy of the Lord. Amen. Another way that we can experience the joy of the Lord is put some praise music on in your home. Turn that television off. That television can't save you. That television can't heal you. But get the atmosphere in your home charged with the presence of God. Because in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Let the high praises of God live big in your home. Charge the atmosphere of your home with praise and worship. And you will find that God will meet you there. 
God will meet you there, right there in your kitchen. God will meet you there, right there in your automobile. God will meet you there. We serve a God who meets His people. So, don't think the joy is exclusive just to running and dancing and spinning and shouting. Now, we have that, we enjoy that, and we employ that in the church. Amen? But that's not the only expression of joy. Amen. Say to me, I will. I will rejoice. So as I said, we have joy regardless of what is going on. Now, why? Here's the answer. Verse 19. Here's why. Because the Lord God is my strength. He is my personal bravery. He is your invincible army. At the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all shut down and shut in, the Spirit of the Lord gave me this phrase, For an invisible enemy, you have an invincible army. For an invisible invisible enemy that came against your life, you have an invincible army undefeated God who raised Jesus from the dead. He's with you. He's for you. He's on your side. He is invincible. And if you'll trust him, you will always triumph and you will always have the victory. Now notice this. The Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. And here's what he'll do. He will make our feet like hinds feet. And he will make us to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progresses upon my high places of trouble, suffering, and responsibility. Ooh, just like hinds feet. Making progress. We had the golden opportunity during this pandemic to make progress. I think, and I don't mean to be judgmental, but I think oftentimes instead of people progressing, they started regressing. There's so much opportunity and so much available to all of us so that we can make progress in the kingdom of God. What do you say to that? Say amen. So right now, In your life, you may have some unpaid bills. I'm not asking for a show of hands. You might have some wayward children. Or there may be a chronic or lingering sickness and disease attached to your life. Listen to this very carefully. We do not rejoice for those things. But we rejoice in those things. There's a difference. Now notice in 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's chapter 5 and verse 18. Notice with me, it says, in everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything. But it says, in everything give thanks. Why? Come on, guys. For this is the will of God. It is the will of God. To give thanks in the midst of the test. 
Another translation, I think it might be the NLT, says this. Giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you concerning Christ Jesus. So again, not necessarily for, but in. Now the question is, why? Why? Because you and I have inside information. Inside of this holy book. This holy book. This word from heaven. Inside of this holy book is information that can change your outward situation. So let his word dwell in you richly. So when the pressure comes, and it will, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. So what are we saying this morning? We're saying this. When we choose to rejoice, God's strength comes. Rejoice because God has the answer. Amen? And we're not locked in. You know, if nothing else, get happy about that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I might just do a little run around the building on that. Hey, I'm on my way to heaven. Anybody else on their way to heaven? Woo, glory to God. Anybody else in this house on their way to heaven? Amen. Now, we don't want to get there too soon. Because we have a course to finish. And the course that we have to finish is meant to be finished with joy. So we cannot afford to be moved by the circumstances around us. Like Paul said, I'm not moved by these things. But I'm going to finish my course with joy. Oh, but Raul, we're on our way. We are on our way. Jimmy, we're on our way. Glory to God. We're on our way to glory. Now here's what we should be doing while we're on our way. We should be singing. We should be shouting. We should be rejoicing. Because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, glory to God. This life is going to be over soon and very soon. I mean, it's just like a vapor, the Bible says. So what we need to do while we're here is be about our Father's business. We are to be volunteers in the day of His glory. Volunteers in the day of His power. All the while serving the Lord, not with sadness, but serving the Lord with gladness. It's a pleasure to serve. It's a pleasure to usher. It's a pleasure to work in the nursery. It's a pleasure, praise God, to play instruments. It's a pleasure to be in the house of God. Not all bummed out. Not all burdened out. Not all complaining and whining about who's not serving. No, you just find your post and you serve God with all of your might. And the rewards in your life are going to be multiplied. I felt the organ down that one. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Rejoice. Rejoice. 
your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, glory to God. And then you can rejoice because you're in Him. Remember we said, knowing Him, knowing whose you are, and knowing the word of the Lord. You can rejoice because you're in Him. Therefore, it behooves us to find out and to understand and to meditate who we are in Him. And the Word of God is loaded with in Christ and in Him scriptures. In Philippians, the third chapter, oh man, this is a good verse of scripture. I love this. In Philippians, the third chapter, the first verse, and we're going to look at the amplified version. It says, for the rest, my brethren, delight, remember this, the book of Philip, Philip, the letter to the Philippines is a book of rejoicing. Paul's in prison, yet he's rejoicing. Amen. So he's coming to the end of his epistle to the church at Philippi. And so he says this, for the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord, now notice, and to and continue to rejoice that what? You are in him. <laughs> Don't let these truths slip from you. Rejoice that you are in Christ. Rejoice that you are accepted in the beloved. Rejoice that you are more than a conqueror in Him and through Him who loves you. Let's look at this again. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. For the rest, my brethren, delight yourself in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in Him. Continue to read. To keep writing to you over and over of the same things is not irksome to me, and it is a precaution for your safety. Do you see that? Paul is concerned for the church at Philippi that they will allow who they are in him to slip. And he's saying to them, continue to rejoice. Just like we are to continue in the word, we are to continue to rejoice. And as we do both, it says here that it is a precaution for your safety. In other words, he's saying it's good for you to rejoice. It's good for you to stay in the word. It brings you to a place of safety. Amen. Oh, I love that. Nancy Dufresne said this. She said, to delight myself in the Lord involves being delighted and joyful at any instruction the Lord gives me to do. And then she went on to say this. I don't know if you thought about this or not. She said, our health is connected to doing the will of God with joy. So we must be like Jesus. I delight to do your will. And then she went on to say, I rejoice that I am in him. And I love this. For in the rejoicing, power flows. Hallelujah. 
Say that with me. In the rejoicing, the power of God flows. We know that faith activates the healing power of God. But I believe that when we operate in faith and true biblical rejoicing, it also activates the power of God in this room, in our lives, and in our bodies. Say with me, I rejoice in Him. For in the rejoicing, power flows. Then she went on to say this. She said, in Him is health. In Him is healing. In Him is strength. And I love this. I rejoice that since I am in Him, I too am in health, healing, and strength. Did you get it? Let me read it one more time. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Him is health, healing, and strength. I rejoice that since I'm in Him, I too am in health, healing, and strength. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise Him for a few moments. Glory to God. We activate the very power of the Lord. We authentically rejoice today, Lord. With our hands lifted. With our hearts and minds set on You. Oh, we worship You. We thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. He's here today. He's here to meet you. At whatever point you need a meeting with God, He's here to do it. He's here to do it. He's here to do it right now. He's here to change your life. He's here to encourage you. He's here to help you cast down those thoughts that have been coming against your soul. He's here with his presence to put the enemy's devices on the run. You know, we're not to be ignorant concerning Satan's devices. Did you know that the word device there in Corinthians is the same word for thoughts in 2 Corinthians 10? Where it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every, every high thought that exalts itself in the knowledge of God. And then he says, bringing into captivity every what? Get it now. Bringing into captivity every thought. Device. His device, his strategy, and his weapons against our, us are in thoughts. And I believe the presence of the Lord is here today to annihilate some of those devices, those thoughts, thoughts of death, thoughts of failure, thoughts of not making it, thoughts of insecurity. Those are devices designed to tear you down. But we've got the name of Jesus. We've got the blood of Jesus. We've got the word of God. We've got an invincible army where we can take the weapons of our warfare and we can cast down all of his devices and put them under our feet. Hallelujah!
God's here to meet you today. He's here to meet you. In Isaiah chapter 65, 64 and verse 5. I want you to get this before we pray. Isaiah chapter 64 in verse 5. I want you just to read the first eight words with me. Ready, read. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. In other words, he meets those who rejoice. If you want to have a meeting with God, make sure you do some rejoicing. The word meetest or meet there means to encounter, to reach. When we rejoice, we will encounter him. You like that? Another word for meetest means to cause to light upon. He will meet those who rejoice. And you know what? This week we have a golden opportunity to do some real praying. And real rejoicing. Maybe even some real running. I don't know. Maybe even some real shouting. But wherever you are in your life right now, we all need a meeting with God. I heard a story about a Pentecostal pastor who led his church for 23 years, Pentecostal church, and had never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He pled with God. He cried for it. He prayed for it. He preached it because he saw his people needed it in his church. Yet he never experienced it for himself. Remember this. He meets those who rejoice. This pastor had the golden opportunity to meet a man by the name of Howard Carter. Many of you are familiar with Howard Carter. A famous evangelist, a famous uh, man of God who was known and very gifted to lay hands upon people for the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He also wrote a book called Concerning Spiritual Gifts. If you don't have that book, get it. Brother Hagen, Sr., taught a lot from Howard Carter. Howard Carter was a wonderful man full of the Holy Ghost. And uh, so this pastor approached Brother Carter and said, kind of in a whiny voice, really, Brother Carter, I've been seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit for 23 years, and I've never been able to receive Howard Carter immediately looked at him and responded, and you're not going to get it that way either. You know, sometimes we need to get the wine out of our voice. And then he quoted to this Pentecostal preacher. He said, the Lord will meet you if you will rejoice. And it was kind of like a light went on in that pastor's face. It was like the, the glory hit him. And right there on the spot, he fell to his knees and he repented to God for his unbelief. And guess what else happened? 
<laughs> he began to rejoice. He began to... I, I tell you, good things happen when people repent. I didn't point any fingers. But you know. I wonder what kind of a revival we'd have in this church if more people would repent and rejoice. I'm leaving here real soon. Just relax. He fell on his knees, repented. He started rejoicing. Listen to this. It is said that within five minutes, he had a mighty baptism in the Spirit. Glory to God. There was more done in five minutes of rejoicing than in 23 years of begging and crying. Glory to God. Glory to God. So what have we said this morning? Get happy. Count it all joy. Amen. Yet I will rejoice. God wants to meet you right now, right here. Amen. I hope you got something out of this message today. Everyone stand if you would, please.